Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. And now for our featured speaker, Chloe Davis. Matthew 25, starting in 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted, entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant, who had received the two bags of silver, came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer, outer darkness where the, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So long passage, we're gonna get right into it. So the master in the parable is Christ because he owns all, and the servants represent us, his disciples, Christians. In fact, the Apostle Paul often calls himself a servant in his letters to the churches. He says, I, Paul, a servant of Christ, and continues on. That's how he starts many of his letters to the churches. So before Christ ascends into heaven in both Matthew and Mark, so in both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark, he leaves his disciples with the Great Commission. Matthew 28, Go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey the commands I have given you. Mark 16, go into the world and preach the good news. So Christ left us something to work on, the Great Commission, and he has given us all we need to complete the work of the Great Commission. So what we have received from Christ is meant to be used to work for him and complete the work that he began. The work that he began is the Great Commission, and he left it to us to complete. So there's a brief summary of how this parable applies directly into our lives. So he has left us with the Great Commission, and he has given everything that we need to fulfill the Great Commission. I have four points for you tonight. 
to break it up a little bit. We got a lot of verses. We're going to break it up. So number one, God has given you a gift. Like the master entrusted his servants with silver, God has entrusted us with gifts. So again, when Christ ascended into heaven, he was like the man in the parable going on a long trip. And when he left, when Jesus left, he gave gifts to his people. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10 says, that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, being Jesus, when he, Jesus, ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. By ascending into the heavens, he, Jesus, could then send the Holy Spirit so that the entire universe would be full of himself through us, his servants. He gave us all we needed to complete his work in his absence. He first gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. John 16, 7, It is best for you that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. Acts 2, verse 38, Peter tells people to repent of their sins, turn to God, and be baptized. And then he says, Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a gift that we get to use to partner with God in fulfilling the Great Commission, the work, the mission that he has left for us. In addition to the gift of the Holy Spirit, he has entrusted us with his truth. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, Paul tells Timothy to guard what God has entrusted to him. Then he goes on to say, avoid foolish discussions with those that oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Timothy, you know the truth that God has entrusted to you and guard it. So he's speaking about the truth, the teachings that have been taught to him. And he's saying, guard this because you're going to have others that are going to argue with you and start foolish discussions with their so-called knowledge. But Timothy, you know the truth, guard it. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 14 says, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Right before this verse, Paul writes, hold on to the wholesome teaching you have learned from me. So both verses are referring to truth that had been taught to Timothy. So God has entrusted us with his truth. We have been entrusted with the truth and we need to teach it truthfully. I was preparing something for, for junior high Bible class a few weeks ago, and I came across this verse, and it stood, stood out to me. Matthew 22, verse 16, it, said, it talks about how some of the Pharisee, Pharisees' disciples, they approach Jesus, and they tell him that, the, that he teaches the way of God truthfully. So they're trying to get him caught up in a, in a bit of a, a quarrel, but the, the, how they approach him is they say, hey, Jesus, we've noticed that you teach the way of God truthfully. And so if Jesus taught the way of God truthfully, that means the way of God can be taught untruthfully. It can be taught dishonestly. So we have been entrusted with the truth and we have been given the opportunity to teach it truthfully. Romans chapter three, verse two, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. They were God's chosen people and knew who he was by oral stories, the formation of what we now know as the Old Testament, and their ancestral lineage. So hearing from their parents, their grandparents, great-grandparents, passed down through ancestral lineage, they knew the whole revelation of God. Now, under the new covenant, 
We believers are the ones entrusted with the whole revelation of God through his word. You cannot separate the word, being Jesus, from his words. We all have access to the written words of God, meaning we all have access to the whole revelation of God. We have access to, to him through his word. In fact, in verse 2, so Romans chapter 3, verse 2, the whole revelation of God in that, in that verse in Greek stands for the oracles of God. So the archaic definition of oracle is a message from God. The Jews received, preserved, and copied the messages from God, which eventually became the beautiful book we now know as scripture today. They had the whole revelation of God, and we have the whole revelation of God through his word. So they had it, and now we have it. In addition to the gift of the Holy Spirit and being entrusted with his truth to preach the good news, he's given us gifts that are unique to all of us. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And the chapter goes on to explain that there are the gift of words of wisdom, the gift of words of knowledge, the gift of great faith, the gift of healing, the gift to perform miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of interpretation. So we have lots of gifts that are, that are clear in Scripture, the gifts that, that God has given. And so these are, the, these are the ones that are mentioned in Scripture. But we all do something throughout our days, whether it be work, or school, or running errands, or going to the gas station, or going to Walmart, whatever it may be. We all do things throughout our days that require skills, that require some level of gifting to accomplish a task. So do you have a skill that you can use for God's glory? It may be going to your job and doing whatever you do at your job. If it's computer coding, you're sitting in front of your computer and you know how to code, and that's a skill that I definitely do not have. And if you are working on cars because you're a mechanic, that is also a skill that I definitely do not have. So whatever skill that you have, are you using it for the glory of God? For those of you that are in school still, do you play a sport that you can use for God's glory? Are you in classes fully aware that you do everything that you do to honor the Lord? Are you using whatever skill, whatever gifting you have for the glory of God? Do you run errands and do it while remembering that, again, everything we do, we do it to honor the Lord? We all have things that we're good at, that we excel at, and we want to use them for the glory of God. Okay, point number two. He gives these gifts according to our abilities. So in that passage, it says that he gave, he gave the bags of silver to the servants in proportion to their abilities. So we don't know any reasons as to why the master gave more bags of silver to the first servant based on what we have in scripture, based on the explicit text. But we do know that he gave according to their abilities because that is what the text says. 
So the first and second servants used the money in the way it was intended, to be invested. So there's a difference between a purchase and an investment. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, the definition of an investment is the act of putting money, time, or effort into something to make a profit or get an advantage. The act of putting money, time, or effort into something to make a profit or get an advantage. To purchase something is to buy it. Okay, so when we invest in something, we're putting something into it to get something out of it. When you purchase something, you're just taking it for yourself. You're, you're buying it. In the kingdom of God, we make investments. And that, is, that, was, that was the master's intention in the parable of giving the bags of silver to the servants, was he wanted them to invest what he was entrusting to them. In the kingdom of God, we make investments. We reap and we sow. We plant seeds and we bear fruit. We make investments. The servants didn't go off and spend the master's money, but they invested it because they had been entrusted with it. What gift have I been entrusted with that can make an investment into the kingdom of God? What gift do I have that can continue the work of the Great Commission? When I was in college, every time I would show up to a campus ministry service, we would do name tags. And every, every week we'd write our name on it, and then there would be a question, like a question of the service. And the question that became a, a reoccurring question was, what's your greatest strength? And my, I always said, my greatest strength is listening. And so that's a skill that, that we can use for the glory of God. And it may not be something that's on a platform or seen by a lot of people, but when you, when you listen to someone, when you, when you are a shoulder for them to cry on, when you are a person that can, feel, that can feel with them, that can carry their burdens like scripture talks about, it's the simple skills that God has placed specifically in you, unique to you, that other people may possess, but they don't possess it as well as you do. God has gifted us. He has gifted us. An investment in the kingdom is one that will outlive you. We don't purchase something to keep it to ourselves, but we invest in the lives of other people to continue the work of the Great Commission. We do this by, a few examples, buying someone's meal or offering above our tithe. We do this by spending time with someone younger than us or giving them wisdom. We do this by serving in church. A few examples. Jesus spent three years with his disciples, and his disciples continued the work he began after he ascended into heaven. What are you investing in that will outlive you? Who are you investing in that will outlive you? The third servant was afraid that he would lose the master's money, so he hid the money. It was out of fear that he did not invest it. The master would not have given the bag of silver to the servant if he did not think he was capable of making a greater return on it. So the master, even to the third servant, gave according to what he thought were, his, were the servant's abilities. This reminds me of a story in the Old Testament. Moses. So God comes to Moses and he asks him to go speak to Pharaoh to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses protests to God in Exodus 3, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? They continue the conversation. Moses protests, protests again in Exodus 4. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? They continue the conversation. Moses pleads with the Lord. I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Eventually, Moses says, Lord, please send anyone else. God had chosen Moses to speak to Pharaoh and lead his people out of Egypt. But Aaron ended up being the mouthpiece, 
the mouthpiece of Moses as Moses was the mouthpiece of God. So rather than Moses being the, being the direct mouthpiece of God, God spoke to Moses, Moses spoke to Aaron, and Aaron spoke to the people or spoke to Pharaoh. Moses allowed his fear to have control over the opportunity he was given, so he ended up hiding his voice behind his brother's voice rather than using it. Moses was capable of using his voice, but it was out of fear that he didn't. We cannot allow fear in our lives to keep us from doing the thing that God has called us to do with the gift that he's given us to do his work. Those that have money but don't use them for charity, those that have power but don't use it to promote God in the places where they live, those that have the capacity and opportunities of doing good but don't stir up the gift that God has given them are servants that seek their own things more than the things of Christ. And we cannot be afraid to use our gifts for what God has called us to use our gifts for. He has given you a gift, and he wants you to use your gifts to serve the kingdom, to bring him glory. He wouldn't give you a gift without the expectation of you using it, regardless of how afraid we may be of, of using it, of walking in obedience to him. We are to use whatever we've been given for the glory of God and to build the kingdom of God, trusting that he gives according to our abilities, already knowing how we're going to steward it because all of our days have been written in his book before any of, any of them ever came to be. So he has given us all a gift, sometimes many gifts, for us to use for his glory, for the kingdom of God, to fulfill the Great Commission, and he already knows how we're going to end up using it. Number three, we must see God rightly and we must see ourselves rightly. The first servant began to invest when the ma master left for his trip, and the second servant went to work when the master left for his trip. So it, this passage says that they left for the, he, the, the man left for the trip, and then the, these first two servants immediately began investing or beginning to work at bringing an investment to what had been entrusted to them. The second servant didn't stop and become insecure about what he had been, been given because the first servant was entrusted with more. He didn't, so the, the first servant was given five, the second servant was given two. The second servant didn't look at the first servant and say, wait, why, why was he given five? Why, why, didn't the master, why didn't the master give me five? Oh no, what am I gonna do with this two? I didn't get five. I, I didn't get five. I didn't get five, why didn't I get five? And, and, the, and sometimes we allow ourselves to become so distracted by what other people have been given, by the gifts that other people have been given, that we miss the gift that God has given us right in front of us. He was thankful and he was glad to have what the master had given to him, and he went to work to earn more for the master. That's what the word says. The first servant began to invest, and the second servant began to work. He knew that the master was entrusting him with something, and it was an honor to be entrusted with something, to be entrusted with anything. It was an honor and a privilege. The second servant rightly knew the master that had entrusted him. As the servant began to work, 
there was more that he gained to give back to the master when he got back from his trip. And so he didn't, he didn't fret, he didn't worry, he didn't have a comeback as to why, why didn't I receive as much as the first servant. He began to work. He began to use what the master had given him, had entrusted to him, and began to, to work at it because he knew that he would make an investment quicker if he just started working at it now rather than worrying about why he didn't get five like the first guy did. We have been entrusted, and it is an honor to use what God has entrusted us with for his glory. It doesn't matter if someone is entrusted with more because it's not about us, it's about him. We cannot fall into the trap of comparison when it comes to our gifts because there is a reason why God has us, has given us the gifts that we have. There are investments into the kingdom that you will make that I will never get the chance to make, dependent upon what you do, your skills, your job, who's surrounding you because of what you do, your skills, your job, your workplace, your school, whatever it may be, and your gift directly, whatever it may be, whatever the gift or the skill may be that you possess. The master did not expect 10 bags of silver from the servant who, gave, who he gave two bags of silver to. He expected all the servants to be faithful with what they had been given. So the master isn't comparing the servants either. The second servant gave less to the master compared to the first servant, but they had been given different things to start off with. And yet they received the same praise from the master. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The master didn't come back and ask the second servant, well, why, don't, why, didn't, why aren't you giving me 10 bags of silver? No, they both, the first servant and the second servant, both, both doubled what they had been entrusted with and they return it back to the master, the master's not standing there comparing them either. If the master is not comparing the servant, why would this servant compare himself to another servant? Now, the third servant sees the master as a harsh man. So out of fear, he hides what has been entrusted to him rather than using it. If we see God as a harsh master, we will not use what God has given us because we're afraid of doing it wrong or we're afraid of losing what he's given us. But we know from his word that he is master, Lord. So he is master and Lord, but he is also Jehovah Jireh provider. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jehovah Rapha healer. He is Jehovah Shalom peace. He is father, bridegroom, savior, redeemer. He is master and Lord, but that should, not, that should not put us in a place of fear from using the gifts that God has given us. We should not hide them. We should use them for his glory to excel the kingdom. We must see him rightly, to see ourselves rightly, to see the gifts that he's entrusted to us rightly, and to use what he's given to us rightly in the way that he intended it to be by investing it, by making it an investment into the kingdom of God and into the lives of others that will outlive us. Number four, we are stewards of the gift. We are only stewards of the gift and will have to give an account to the Lord regarding how we used our gift. No one will be called to account for more than they have received, but we must all account for what we have. Romans chapter 14, verse 12. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Not using what God has given you is to lose what God has given you. Like the master took the money from the third servant and gave it to the first servant who already had 10 bags of silver. So to, not, to choose to not use what God has given you is to lose it. 
If I'm not obedient to what God has called me to do, he will call someone else to do it. Like Moses did not want to speak, did not want to be the direct mouthpiece from God to the Israelites, to Pharaoh, and, he, and Aaron was used instead, if, someone, if, if Moses was willing and obedient to do it, God would have used him. But Moses was not willing to be the direct mouthpiece to Pharaoh. And so God used Aaron to go from himself to Moses, to Moses, to Aaron, to Aaron, to Pharaoh. And so if, if we are not obedient, God will use someone else to, to be obedient to what he wants to accomplish. We see all throughout scripture that God is eager to use his people, but we must be willing we must be obedient, and we must live life by faith. Think about the willingness, the giftings, and the stewardship of those written about in Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter of great faith. You think about all the trials they went through. You think about how it was by, it was by faith that so-and-so did this, and it was by faith that so-and-so did this. And it doesn't mean that they, they weren't a little bit nervous to do it. It doesn't mean they, they, they weren't hesitant to do it, but they did it, and they lived by faith to do it. And so we see all throughout Scripture that God uses people, a people of faith, to be used by him as he entrusts them with different abilities, different skills, different giftings. As we steward the little well, he entrusts his servants, us, with more. So as we steward what little we have been given well, like the passage talks about, he will entrust us with more, and that's the grace of God, to give according to our abilities. It is the grace of God that he gives according to our abilities, recognizing that we are only stewards of the gift. He has given the gift, and we are only stewards of it. So as we are entrusted with it, we are to use it for his glory because it is he that gave the gift. So wrapping up, the Lord has given us the work of the Great Commission. He has entrusted us with gifts to complete the work he has given to us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his truth found in his word. There are so many gifts that he's given us. And he's given us giftings, personal and unique to who we are, how we live life, where he's specifically placed us by divine appointment. We've been given those things. And he's called us to use those things to invest in the kingdom in everything that we do, to steward our giftings well, trusting that he gives according to our abilities. And when we steward what we have well, we will be entrusted with more. I thank God that he gives the grace that we, are, that we are to steward according to our abilities, that he doesn't give us giftings that overwhelm us, that, that push on us, but he gives us abilities that will stretch us, and, and he doesn't expect too much from us because he knows our abilities. He knows our abilities and his infant God, so I thank him for that. Ooh, thank you, Lord. All right, if you'll stay with me, we're going to pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Oh, God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you don't give more than what, than, than what you know we are able to do. God, I thank you that when, that when you call us, Lord, that when you lay something on our hearts to do that, God, you've already given us the gift to do it. You've already, you've already given us 
whatever it is that we have been entrusted to use for your glory. And so, God, I thank you that you've given us gifts and skills, whether it looks like working on cars or, or building things, or whether it looks like working at, a, working at a school and teaching, or whatever it looks like, God, I thank you that you've given us those specific gifts and skills to use for your kingdom, to advance your kingdom, Lord. What a privilege and an honor it is. God, I thank you that we don't have to compare our gifts and our skills to other people, but that you have entrusted us and you've uniquely designed us fearfully and wonderfully made, knit us together in our mother's womb, knowing how we would be used by you. And so God, we proclaim in the name of Jesus that we will be people of great faith, that we will use what you have given us for your glory. And God, we will, we will make a difference in the kingdom of God. We will live life here on earth as it is in heaven, because we thank you and we honor you for giving us the gifts you have. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for who you are in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.